everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Civ Show podcast, where we suck so you don't have to. I'm your host, Moisos. And before Zoe can say, Nystagmus here. <laughs> and we have a very, very special guest with us today. We have the one and only composer of Civilization VI, Jeff Nor. Unbelievable that you're here with us uh, today. Jeff, how are you doing today, sir? Doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thank you for being on the show. It's a, <laughs> really on the show, yeah. a privilege for, for us, a fan-made show and podcast to be able to feature um, the one and only composer of the, of the game. So thank you for being on, taking the time to be on the show with us. Uh, we kind of want to start with uh, just talking about the, the new Frontier Pass. This was like a, a, new, a new way of development for, for, for Axis and, and civilization in general of how to release content. But we wanted to know how the process was different for you creating content for like one, out, one stand releases like Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm where everything's released at once versus a monthly iteration for release. So how was that for you? How is it different for you? You know, in a lot of ways, it was it was actually fairly similar to the way an expansion pack would work um, in terms, at least on the music side of things. You know, we we basically had things ready pretty much pretty close to when the first ones would release. Most of the music side of things were ready for the other sieves. And uh, it was just so it's kind of weird, you know, it's some of the music that's released um, recently was done like almost a year ago so it's kind of it's kind of crazy like it's finally yeah. finally coming out which is really cool but uh yeah you know not too much is different this time around for the music in terms of how that was put together and how we worked on it it was different however when we did the dlcs a few years ago those those we had to kind of split up and so it was kind of tricky because when you do orchestra sessions you you kind of want to make sure you have enough to fill a, a whole session and so we ended up having to do a few remote sessions back when we did those DLCs, like we, we divided it up so that it was just a day of recording remote where I'm just listening in through a, a like a high fidelity feed online uh, instead of actually going to the recording sessions. Now, of course, with the pandemic, we did, uh, I think it was like two or three days of recording all remote, which, um, it's not ideal, but it, you know it's okay. <laughs> that so I really we really want to get into those remote recordings. So your your colleague uh, Kevin Schultz said the best documentary that has never made was the when you recorded remotely with uh, Vietnam Vietnam's music. You sent seventy pounds of equipment, if I'm not mistaken, to <laughs> Vietnam, and tell us the story about how that came about because that's so, we want to know yeah, about, so more about that i think i think that's where the difference is you know the timeline is is mostly the same the music kind of had to be ready for for sessions and all had to kind of be ready around on the same timeline but what changed was about halfway through um it became extremely difficult to try to schedule recording sessions with people so um the first few sieves, I think I was able to record in person with with some people. And then it hit like mid-March, early April, and I still had Vietnam. I still had some Portugal stuff to record. And I had to figure it out. You know, and, and it was it was kind of like we weren't sure at that point 
like it hadn't I don't think this had been called a global pandemic yet and like things we we weren't quite sure what was going to happen in terms of should we just wait and then the lockdowns will go away and of course now we look back and we're like of course <laughs> yeah. that's not going to happen <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> so with Vietnam I was originally you know planning a a, a trip to go work in person and record and and stuff like that and i actually had a flight booked and everything and uh and then things started happening and things people were starting to close down businesses lockdowns were starting to happen it's like what am i gonna do and was just in touch with with the performer and we both decided like we should we should probably not do this in person just because of all the traveling and having to be on an airplane and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So I, I just scrambled, you know, trying to figure out like, can I just send a bunch of recording gear to, to her and make this happen? And so I spent a few days just on my own end, trying to put together something that would work and testing it out and figured it out and figured out how to pack it up into my, my re- remote recording box. And yeah, it was huge. It was, it was like 70 pounds of recording gear that I sent her and then we had to video call and, and, and I basically coached her through how to get it all set up and adjusting mic gains and mic positions and all of that stuff. It was all done remotely. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, who, who was the artist that you were working with um, during that time from Vietnam? So that was uh, Dao um, Vu and uh She's based in Minnesota. Oh. Oh, what? I thought you sent it to Vietnam. Oh, geez. No, so not, not to Vietnam. She's based in Minnesota. But So that's that's how I was actually going to fly there. Like, I, I don't have the budget to fly to Vietnam. <laughs> oh, my bad. Oh, man, I so, feel so stupid now. <laughs> okay, so, so I was there because my next question was like, oh, did they ever like really record in a professional studio? But I, they're from Minnesota then. No, it, it was like it me. was in her uh, in her just room, basically. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, setting that stuff all up remotely doesn't matter if you're in the room adjacent to the to to you or if you're you know halfway across the world. Still doing that remotely with the instructions and directions is the same um, the same thing, right? Like so. Uh, but yeah, that is an interesting little tidbit that we we all assumed that it was in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> so even like. We kind of as as we worked remotely, as like the whole world had to stop and figure out how to work remotely. Like now, people are starting to question: Is this a permanent solution? Can this be a permanent solution? So the question I want to reach out to you is: Do you prefer at least parts, or maybe the whole process, remotely or in person? Oh my goodness! There's absolutely no comparison in in person, all the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it with, with music. I mean, we made it work because we had to, but when I'm in person with someone, it, there's just so much more flexibility into how we can put the music together and the way that we can work and collaborate. There is no question about it when, when all of this is, when it's safe to, to work together in person again, uh, music will, will work that way. <laughs> at least for for most things i mean like i said we can make it work but it's it's just not ideal it's it really isn't 
Yeah, I think just even the the collaborations are off when when you're not in person. Like it's just it's different because even talking like talking online, it's it's weird when I think everyone's kind of like the same volume. So when you're trying to talk over somebody, like you're trying to get your point across, but then they're talking and you, it just becomes this mad jumble. Am I am I right? Yeah. Well, I, I and I can say it just from personal experience, even working remotely for for my profession is not the same at all behind the scenes on the show, I'm a, I'm a physician. So um, we had to do a lot of remote work too. It's not the same. Um, it doesn't in-person um, collaboration is something that is not translatable virtually, in my personal opinion as well. Um, it, you can make it work, like you said, um, but it's the far from the ideal situation, I would agree. I like to still talk about like the collaboration with Vietnam though. Like even though it was in Minnesota, um, you know, that was probably like the first, like, I think that was, was that the first song that you did remotely as well? Like for the new frontier pass, that kind of like process where you had to ship all the equipment. It was, it was the first, it was the only one where I had to ship a bunch of recording gear and actually remote into basically what I was doing was remote desktoping to run the session off of the laptop recording setup that I had shipped. So because you know she she I, I couldn't teach her how to run recording gear and all of that stuff I, it was basically just set up so then i could i could run the session and record everything but in parallel with that we were recording for portugal and that was a very different way of recording remotely okay uh okay. the performer i worked with on that one uh he he's used to recording himself and has put out his own albums and so he would actually record some things and send them over. And then I would review and give some feedback and do some editing on my end. And so that collaboration was very different than Vietnam, where I was I was kind of actively doing the recording. Whereas with Portugal, we were kind of in touch about it. And then he would do some things just completely on his own recording. And then I would re review them and and uh, give feedback and, and edits and, and stuff like that. How, how long does it normally take from from start to finish like let's say you you show up at your covid's over you show up at your desk monday morning <laughs> you're like hey we're doing portugal so is, is 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 it is that the request that comes to you or is it we're doing portugal here's all the information about the history of portugal then do your research so take us through like your research process of of your music so i mean very little is is it's fairly early in development when we find out which sieve is going to be be coming up usually we'll know at least the leader but of course it's not specifically leader music in Civ 6 but it, it can help us kind of determine maybe some specifics to to focus on in terms of song selection and where to to focus our research in terms of how to to best represent the sieve but i mean beyond that um no one's saying really anything about include this song or include this style or anything it's it's all on uh, the co composition team so um for new frontier pass it was me but you know in the past roland rizzo and i would would split up some of the sieves and he would start researching stuff for his i would start researching for mine and and it's just you know just reading and learning what i if i don't already know much about that particular tradition and uh, right right alongside of that is uh, just trying to find people to work with, because that's a big part of the research aspect. A lot, you know, a lot of times 
they'll be able to to share things about the tradition that I wouldn't be able to just find online or 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 anything like that. Like they'll they'll be able to kind of pinpoint songs that would be possibly fitting and then I can research those further. They can kind of give a little background of what what things to bring out in the tradition, especially a, a lot of the performers help um help me make sure different regions are represented as we go through especially in the ancient era music lots of different regions will have specific things that are that are specific to that region which if you're not really kind of in that tradition playing it every day you're you're not going to necessarily know that these regions will have differences and they're appreciated and and distinct from each other it's it's a combination. I mean, there's also been issues where sometimes a performer will suggest something and I research it some more and it it turns out it's actually really new and it's not public domain, so we can't really use that song. Oh, okay. Or sometimes it's like a a song that was actually it's actually from another country and so it, but it became popular in that one, so it became kind of a part of the, the tradition. So I, this happens all the time. Probably the best example would be what I used for Arabia. Um, that main theme song, there's like any, any country in like the Balkans and Middle East will probably claim that melody is theirs and, and like, and they have their own story about how it came to be. And they're very sure that it's their melody. And, um, you know, so they, if you if you see the comments section on that any of those themes in like on the YouTube postings, you'll just see all sorts of arguments. Well, this this is actually an Ottoman melody. No, I heard this in in uh, in Greece, and oh, some people say it came from Ireland. <laughs> it's just crazy <laughs> stuff. You keep up um, with your with your YouTube comments? That's a mistake. Oh no, <laughs> I, I don't keep up with it too much, but. You know, every now and then I'll go and see like, oh, what's what's the response to, to the music and are people enjoying it? Yeah. And uh, and actually, I've been emailed a few times specifically about that theme. Um, people saying. Did you know that this is not an Arabian song? Oh, no. <laughs> and wow. then, I, then yeah. I have to say, well, actually, that's that's a little bit debated. And, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's not it's undetermined where the where that song actually came from, um, and in fact, there was a whole documentary even made about that song and about how different countries claim it to be their own. <laughs> so even like even with let's take the civilization of Babylon and take the civilization of Sumeria, they're very like tight knit. They're very like hard to distinguish between those and the fact that Sumeria, we don't even know if they existed. So how do you take similar, very similar um, civilizations and be able to differentiate one from the other? I mean, in the case of those, I think a lot of it just comes down to the main theme and having a different main theme. A lot of the instrumentation is the same because you're, you're basically coming from a very similar kind of area. And uh, a lot of the research overlaps between those two, uh, those two regions in terms of what instruments they played, what the, the modes would have been. Um, so in terms of that, they're kind of like sisters, I guess, uh, sister pieces in mm -hmm. that regard. Yeah. <laughs> 
true true civilizations blend right like like if they're especially if they're they're going to influence one another and music especially is going to be a big influence over how the culture develops i think people maybe you forget that with civ that's like so cut and dry here's the board this is this is a civilization this is but no actually that civilization influenced other civilizations in its region they have a shared history they might even not even consider themselves a a civilization the way that 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 we're looking at them right that's yeah exactly kind of, i mean music's it, a great it, it, absolutely i mean we're we're looking at it as all these very distinct uh civilizations whereas in history it's not so cut and dry especially in terms of the cultural aspects um there's a quite a bit of overlap where things get introduced and then it just becomes a part of their culture and it becomes a part of their their tradition and that happens all the time it's it's especially um obvious with any of the nations that were colonized so you've got like the united states and australia and a lot of those melodies uh, especially in like the fiddle fiddle tunes and stuff like that um they're coming from scotland and england and and stuff and then they're getting reworked a little bit and they're and then they call them a new song and and so the the kind of you can sort of trace it because it's more modern uh, version of this happening, but that's been happening through history for thousands of years where a song will, or a song or an instrument or anything like that will get traded between cultures and it just kind of becomes a part of, of that now. Yeah. Um, has there been any, um, whenever you're kind of researching and learning about these different songs and, and melodies from different cultures, is there anyone that stood out that you didn't know of or were aware of from before um, you started researching the civilization, like from your research? In terms of the tradition, music tradition of it? Yeah. Oh, man, so many of them. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I mean, in Civ, Civ Six, you're talking about uh, 50 different musical traditions sibs represented now and uh many of them i had very little uh interaction with before like some of the some of the african ones uh mali i wasn't terribly familiar with with, with their very rich musical tradition over there um what's the other one there's another one in africa that i wasn't aware of either Congo, mm. Nubia, Nubia, Nubia. Nubia, Nubia, Nubia. Same thing with Nubia, where it was like such a fascinating sieve and people group, where they they've kind of had their their land taken over, but they're still a very distinct people group, and they've kept their culture and music alive. And so, you know, trying to to be able to keep that that to represent that in the game was was pretty important and uh i had no idea about i had never heard of them before honestly so <laughs> neither have i don't worry man you're not alone yeah. <laughs> i am out of the three of us i am the least history inept like or i guess the most his historically inept person so i don't know nubia as well yeah. but going for like kind of getting more into the research what's been the most interesting just instrument that you've discovered from all of your research in, in this the most interesting instrument oh man because um, they have like didgeridoo from australia and 
you know, but then you also have like the throat singing from Mongolia and just there's so many different distinct sounds that come from so many different places. Just what's the coolest one that you've come across? I can't narrow it down to one. I will say this, though. I think one of the most surprising things that I encountered was with the Persian music. Okay. So it's uh, one of the instruments he played was a santor, it's a hammered dulcimer type thing. And um, so I was asking him to, to play some different modes and just some improvisations for, to include possibly in the ancient era when I was working with him. And uh, so he he started playing some stuff, and it just sounded really, really just strange to my ear. And uh, the reason for this is Persian music, a lot of their their modes or um, they're called dasgas, which is basically a scale, and a lot of them include semitones. And so, to to anyone who's grown up in Western culture, semitones are sound a little bit off. They don't. They don't. It sounds like things are a little bit out of tune. And um, so he was improvising, and in in one of these modes that had quite a few semitones in in it, and he would just lay on some of these notes that sounded really out of tune to my ear, but they're not. They're just a part of that tradition and uh so I, I started talking with him a little bit about it afterwards you know how do you hear those semitones and to him it didn't it doesn't sound out of tune at all that's just normal to him and he said that's that's what gives the music it's kind of interest in depth a lot of times it gives it this kind of extra extra kind of uh, richness basically and um and it was just like that, that kind of experience is just super eye-opening to realize uh, how people can hear things so differently based on kind of how their their musical upbringing is. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he was... He's, or can't he's been, hear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I tried to... Civ is, is one of those... It's a game that's, you know, played all over the world. So some people will hear that and... It's not going to bother them. They're used to semitones. Other people will hear it and say, why is that guy playing that that instrument that's out of tune? And so I have to kind of play that balancing act of what are the player's expectations and also including just a little bit of it, enough of it to like give a taste of a, a little bit of what it really sounds like some of their music. So in the ancient era, I did include a few that have some uh, semitones. Uh, some of the improvisations will have some of the semitones in there, but I had to be pretty picky and choosy about it, just because of that that expectation of um, just what people are used to hearing. Yeah, like what <laughs> what people on like this side of the of the world is used to hearing, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was just—I mean, it was just so surprising that he would just be like laying on these notes that they just sounded so out of tune to me, and. They weren't to him. That's it was just normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of uh, that. Apparently, I guess when like for the Native Americans, when ships first started coming over, apparently 
they couldn't actually see them. It just they had they had nothing in their experience to compare to a European ship. Uh, oh, wow. I've heard this before. Yeah, they just it, it, they they met, they it just seemed like part of the horizon. They couldn't see it, and it's because they'd never experienced it before. And for music, we think, oh yeah, we know what music is. But I could see that. I could see that literally to our brain. No, that doesn't sound like music. That just sounds like no, because we'd never heard it. We we can't understand it. But I think by forcing it and making us hear it, you know, maybe we we can gain an appreciation for it. Uh, it's very easy, I guess. Maybe that's a Western thing to discard. Oh, we know music. We know how to do music. You know, Bach and all that. There, that's uh, that's Western. We know how to do music. But no, music is a human thing, and it's from all over the place. And just because you don't maybe like it, it's likely because your brain just doesn't register it yet as music. So you kind of, I think, you know, listen to it more and unlock that. So I like that you force that through. It sucks, though, that maybe sometimes you have to maybe westernize it a little bit for the audience because we're so grumpy about what we consider music. Um, but I like that you still, you know, put a little bit of it in there. So that's good. <laughs> now I want to listen now. Now I want to go <laughs> yeah, play Persia. I'm going to go Persia. All right, I got to hear this. Yeah, but I'll be like, oh. Oh, I like it. I see it. I, I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's other cases where it's more subtle, where I had to do some of that. So I think I did some with, with Persia. It was like that where it wasn't Persia. What other Middle Eastern one that I ever done? Not Arabia, not Egypt. Was that? Ottoman, the Ottomans? Phoenicia. I think, it, I think it was for the Ottomans. So for the Ottomans, their main theme... Um, it had some semitones in it, but they're they're pretty close to some Western scales. So in the ancient era, if you listen closely, you'll you'll hear some of the notes sound a little bit different than they do in the medieval, industrial, and atomic versions. Because in the ancient era, they're actually playing it authentically with those those semitones, and then. When I have to add in the Western instruments to play along, um, they they were able to change it as they played to, to be more of the equal temperament sort of Western tuning so that I could get other instruments to play along with it. And and I wonder what your process is for, like when you talk about like uh, the ancient era, and, and I know that the music changes as we go through the eras. Um, what's your approach to civilizations that have been around for longer periods of time? So for example, the Ottomans, um, you know, existed from the early modern era all the way up until the First World War, um, whereas the Babylonians only existed in the Bronze Age. Um, and so what's your approach to kind of um, allow them to, as they go through the ages in the game, for a sieve that maybe hadn't existed in the Renaissance era? Uh, how do you change the music for them? So I, I think we, we realized that problem pretty early on, where we knew because of the diversity of sieves and where they fall in history, uh, there's just no way to, to track a kind of hist a per sieve musical history as we did the era pieces. Um, there had to be some other way to define those errors musically. And so we, we kind of quickly, not quickly, it, it took a little bit of a process of, well, how do we define these errors no matter where a sieve fell in actual history how do we make these pieces sound consistent, basically? Because if they don't, if they don't have a consistent kind of error-specific sound, then 
you're not really cueing the player into musically what error they're they're in at that point. So we we kind of determined, okay, for the ancient error, no matter where this sieve was in history, we'll just include a few solo instruments, a nice long kind of cavernous reverb to give a sort of mystery and openness to the world. And then with the medieval era, we add a bunch of Renaissance uh, strings in to kind of define that era as as more developed with in, in the Renaissance and medieval eras. And then the orchestra gets added in the industrial era. So we kind of standardized how the general kind of feel of how the errors would be um, so that they give that that cue to the player of here's what this error kind of sounds like in the game. So we're, I guess in that way, we're kind of leveling the playing field of mm. no matter where that sieve fell in history, it's it's going to follow this, <laughs> this progression of instrumentation, at least. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the thing, I guess, with Civ 2 is it is a what if, you know, what what if this civilized like like Canada, what if Canada was around in 4000 BC or whatever, you know, <laughs> yes. what, what if, uh, you know, so there you can't you can't take the game literally. And, and I think when you do, you know, that's where you kind of break the wall, the fourth wall a bit. And it's like, well, no, 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 it's not literal, obvious. But like I thought, I always figured it was something like you guys did something like, well, let's look at a nation that's been around for the entire capacity. So like China, and let's see how did it evolve. Okay, well we can guess that maybe that's how another civilizations would have evolved. But I like what you said more because that just thematically flows better between the ages if you just take an idea and no matter what in the ancient age, every civ is going to have that wonderment and trepidation playing. No matter what, don't worry, and and then it all flows together. Now, I want to add something to that, though. I want to ask you a question. When Canada first came out, I swear, all right, <laughs> I, I swear, I had, I had to ask this question. Okay, we're all Canadian. We're all Canadian. And I, I loved it. I loved it the first couple times I heard it. And then I swear that, like, every 10 minutes, I will have heard, oh, Canada, like, seven times, okay? <laughs> and and I love oh, Canada. So, one, it's like, part of the question is, like, did you do that with anyone else where you took our, our national anthem and put it in there? But then the second one is, did you fix that? Because I feel now that when you play as Canada, you know, you, you get much more of the da, 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 like the, 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 the fiddle playing and then it breaks into the O Canada and I feel that you fixed it and that it doesn't numb my brain as much anymore. I don't know. Is that is that the case? So you I know, threw... <laughs> Yeah, for the... <laughs> That's hilarious. So, That's I mean, in terms of all that in, in-game implementation, um... I'm not heavily involved with that, actually. Uh, the the guys in-house, uh, Roland, and uh, I think another sound guy, uh, Dan, uh, they're, they're taking care of that stuff. So it's very likely they realized that it was calling O Canada way too much. And they we have the ability to change the weighting of how often a piece can kind of be populated in that playlist. And... If you noticed it got better, it's very likely we realized, oh goodness, that that waiting is way too much. This is getting called too much, and and it got got a little bit more balanced and, and tweaked over time. So excellent, excellent. <laughs> I cannot believe you just asked that question. 
I had to. I needed to know because, like, I swear what I because I loved Canada, but I was just like, oh my god, it plays O Canada a lot, a lot. <laughs> You know, but and- I mean, you bring up another interesting thing, which is national anthems. Right. So I, I tend to try to avoid national anthems in most civs. I, they don't show up too often. And there's, there's a whole sort, sort of bunch of reasons for that. A lot of times a national anthem's not really representative of that nation's musical tradition and what's unique to that nation. They're kind of like just Western anthems basically that that the the nation just kind of adopted it but that's not true across the board i mean there's there's some where it's it is unique but a lot of them are very just kind of westernized anthems that the country adopted and uh so they're not really representative of of what's unique but there are a few cases and of course canada's one of them where you know you're you're just trying to figure out well how do i how do I musically represent a country? And um, Canada is is it's tricky, right? It's like yes, there's there's a lot know. of diversity there. <laughs> it's it's similar to the United States. There's a lot of diversity, a lot of different genres. It's pretty new in terms of being a, a country in the world, and so uh, and then. That anthem is just beautiful. <laughs> it is a pretty yeah. beautiful anthem. We uh, we you don't like to brag, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I just thought I had a bunch of fiddle tunes. They're from different regions, and I thought, what a great way to just kind of summarize all of this coming together with with kind of completing that theme with with O Canada and just saying, okay, now we're now it's all together. It's not not just these regions not just the french and the british now it's it's one nation mm-hmm. and it, it felt like oh canada kind of brought that all together and it was just a beautiful <laughs> anthem to it's beautiful, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good answer though it's a yeah it comes the brings in the french and the, and the english and just brings them in, in harmony i like that answer that was good yeah um i it was just kind of i think it's the accumulation of like how civilization kind of just picked on Canada. It was like, oh, what what do you think when you think of a Canadian? Just think of the absolute typical stereotypes you can think of. Hockey, RCMP, which is a a police, it's it's a police, you basically added FBI. Like, come on. And then <laughs> the, then the O Canada after that. I think it was just kind of the accumulation of just like, okay, like just this, these are just kind of stereotypes. Like, come on, let's get a little bit more. So it's not your fault. It's just kind of like the accumulation of everything. But we we always ask the question, does everyone feel that way? Like, do Australians feel that way about John Curtin? You know, do you know, uh, is 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 each one of the civs kind of a stereotypical rep- when you're living in that civ? You know, um, that's, that's and I'm curious. Point. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'd have to interview some of our other civ community from uh, all over the world. Yeah, I mean, that, it's a really interesting question. And it's I mean, musically it's it's why i take what i do pretty seriously because Mm -hmm. you know music is like one of those things where people are really really proud of of their music and you don't want to get it wrong (laughs) you really don't want to get it wrong because people will get really upset and so anyone like gotten upset that they've they felt like they got in their music wrong 
Thankfully not. I have not, I have gotten no feedback from someone saying you did not do a good job representing our, our musical tradition. I've, I have not gotten a single message about that, which is really, it's very encouraging to me that that's the case. <laughs> so, but like I said, we're really careful to, to not do that just because it's, it's a really touchy thing. I mean, you're, you're kind of taking these, these musical traditions, you're trying to in a way teach the world about them, but it's also a game. And, um, so people could get upset that you're kind of making money from, uh, from using a culture or using a tradition. And, um, so we just try to do it as respectfully as possible in a way that's honoring to the music and the musical traditions. And, and that's how we've, we've dealt with it. So, yeah, <laughs> I know. I think there's a specific example, Nystagmus, if you want to kind of get into it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, because when we're talking about like uh, trying to uh, honor like these different traditions, I know I, I read that there was um, a somewhat of a controversy regarding specifically like Poundmaker and the Cree. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that from your perspective? Because I know you kind of had a band that came to help um, create the music for that. Um, and there mm -hmm. was some controversy regarding um, consultation with the rest of the tribe. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's a really interesting thing that happened. Um, and depending on who you've listened to, there's kind of different takes on that. But just from the perspective of the musicians and everything that I did, they were just super excited to be a part of the game. They, there were, there were no, no hesitations at all in terms of being included, having their music as a part of the game. And they were just really happy to be a part of it. They, they thought it was just great. And, um, and just their approach was incredible. I mean, when I reached out to them and I said, uh, we're, we're doing some music, Poundmaker is going to be the leader. And, and it was it was crazy. I, I it was kind of originally I was going to try to I didn't think I would have the budget or the ability to record an entire um, drum group. Because that's a lot of people, a lot of people to pay, a lot of people to get together in one room and, and whatnot. And uh, so I originally I was going to try to somehow do it with with some Native American flutes. And as I did more research, that's not really an, a, a characteristic of the Cree's music. They don't really use those flutes uh, as more of the, uh, the the First Nations groups in the United States have used them. And so, but anyway, there was one guy who played. He was a Cree who kind of adopted the the Native American flutes. So I reached out to him first, saying, you know, I'm trying to do music for the Cree. Are you interested in playing? And uh, we had a conversation. He was pretty upfront about it. He says, you know, this this flute is not really a part of this culture. Um, it's not really a part of our music. Uh, you might want to try to find a, a, a group. And, and also, he said, there's not really a Cree theme across all the different tribes. Like, they're all very specific as to what songs they sing and, and what represents them. So he, he pretty much 
convinced me, okay, try to find someone from the Poundmaker Nation so you can have some of their songs because that's the specific Cree group being represented. And he was able to get me in touch with, with someone, gave me a phone number, and I don't think it was who, it was someone else, and then I called him and he said, oh, you want to call Clyde? And so I, I called Clyde Tatusis, who is the leader of, uh, of the, um, the group that I worked with, the Poundmaker Singers. And he was just so excited to, to do it. And we started talking about how to pay the group and what they would want to be paid and all of that and working through that. And he said, you know, he didn't really want to be paid money, which was, I mean, that's crazy, right? He, he said, we've done some recording sessions before. They paid us. And then we went on and we we just forgot about it. And it didn't mean anything to us. What we would like is some custom jackets with the game's logo and our logo. And just get us a really nice dinner for the, for the recording session. And get us some really nice uh, custom jackets. And that's how we want to be paid. And that's that's actually really hard to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine you said custom jackets. I'm like, wow, that's got to be kind of yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, because you know, I had to I had to figure out like how do I get these jackets made? What kind of jackets are they looking for? And it was kind of a scramble to make it happen, but we we made it happen, and we were able to 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 give them jackets, uh, custom made jackets with the the Civ logo on them and uh and their logo and and it all worked out and and they were very happy and they they did that because they they were like you know this is something that's really special our music is going to be played to an audience that it never would have been played to before and um we want to remember this we don't want to just spend the money that we would get paid and and just forget about it so they they wanted those jackets as a way of kind of remembering it and uh and I just thought that was so cool, this the the kind of way that they were looking at that as a as a more a deeper, more meaningful thing. And if you look at their history as a as a nation, it, it you you see that it even goes back further, where Poundmaker was was selling um, blankets or, or getting blankets, and so like this kind of physical material uh, being traded has deep meaning to them mm -hmm. and it means a lot and, and and having a meal together means a lot you know anyone who's who's more westernized that that just seems like oh it's just a dinner but to them it means a lot that kind of hospitality aspect to it so that's that's the perspective that i had Okay. Some of the Canadian news networks come on they interview me <laughs> yeah. and they start saying oh the the this big, uh, big game company didn't want to pay the group, and you oh, know they weren't paid, okay. and all this, and they they completely twist this in a different story to kind of fit a different narrative, mm -hmm. which is not really what the narrative was. So, I mean, it's just very interesting how the media can twist things like that, and it's really unfortunate. So here's what happened after the recording sessions and the game was released. My understanding of it is that most people in the Poundmaker Nation were really happy to have their nation included. They were very happy about the music, how it all turned out. Mm -hmm. 
And it was just a, a, a few vocal uh, people who, who were basically being heard there and speaking up about it. And there's different ideas about why they were doing it. When I, when I spoke with Clyde afterwards, you know, I'm like, sorry, Clyde, I, I didn't know. Like, I hope this isn't causing trouble for you and your, your group. And he says, oh, no, it's, it's fine. We're really happy about it still. We, we think maybe he's just doing it to, to make a statement or, or to make something happen politically. We, we don't really know what's going on, but wow. most people are happy and we're doing okay. So, I mean, there's, there's even issues there where it's hard to know exactly what was going on in terms of the people who were, were upset about it. Mm. I mean, there's certainly some deeper issues whenever you use any kind of indigenous or First Nations or Native American people group. It's a particularly sensitive issue because of how poorly they've been treated in history. But I think overall, I don't really have any definite conclusions about what what that criticism was or even if how, how strong it was. But in terms of musically and the musicians that I worked with, everyone was just really happy with with everything. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to hear your side of it for sure, because they, when you when you only can hear the media side, you can only read those articles. It's it's a very different narrative. So it was really interesting to hear your side of it. So thank you for sharing uh, your side of the story. But why don't we go a little bit of a lighter note? Let's kind of like <laughs> yeah. change the topic a little bit, pivot a little bit. Um, <laughs> let's talk about you for a little bit. You have currently uh, 86, if I'm not mistaken, 86,000 monthly listeners on your Spotify. How does it kind of feel to be almost like a, I'll just say it, like a superstar by just like creating uh, music for video games? Did you ever think you would get to this level of stardom, uh, individual stardom from creating music for Civilization? Oh, man, of course not. I mean, I had no idea. And even hearing that, I mean, I don't I don't follow these things too, too much. Um, I think I got an email from Spotify late last year. It was it was, you know, your your summary as an artist. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how much people are listening to this music and streaming it and whatnot. It's 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 just overwhelming. And it's it's really cool. I mean, when we put together these these soundtracks, I mean, we're pouring our our heart and energy and everything into it. And uh, it's just great that everyone's enjoying it. So makes me happy. <laughs> we really are. We do have community members that they they've told us uh, that, that like I exclusively only listen to civilization music when I'm studying, and I just think it's 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 very fascinating. I don't I don't know maybe if you don't realize this this, but like the entire community in civilization really really take a lot of importance in the music of each civilization, and like when every civilization is launched from from especially from the new frontier past, from Grand Colombia all the way down to Portugal, everyone was just eating up the music in every single one of those civilizations and they were loving it absolutely loving it so you know good on you and yeah like like, <laughs> like, really like to the music. point where like the, the the new civ was only half the excitement it's like well what new music soundtrack are we getting with it uh no because yeah because it like especially as you're playing the game and everyone's songs are mixing together when you hear something new you're like oh oh i'm hearing something new because i know the other one so well because i hear them all the time uh, yeah. So really, yeah. it really is. A, it really does make the game. The music really in Civilization Six, especially, really does make the game. So well done. 
That's all on you. It's not your team. It's not your team. It's not Fraxis. It's all you. Well, there's there's one one particular community member. Uh, he's he's an up and coming content creator. I don't know if you know any of them, but his name's Bostius. He actually made a Civilization music tier list. Have you ever heard of this? You ever t- had a chance to look at I, it? I have gotten word of it. I have not reviewed it or, or watched it, but I have oh. gotten word of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 like he it's has like some very he, strong opinions. <laughs> yeah. He. Well, I mean. He doesn't like bagpipes, so you know, whatever. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, he he does mention that like he's like I have to rank some of these lowers. Like he's like I just want to let you know, like all these are good. I just need to rank them somehow. So, um, <laughs> some maybe you can look into into your spare time, and I think they would appreciate that. Um, but if we don't mind, why don't we go into some community questions that we've gotten from our community for you? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So this one comes from. Sharksta. So he's actually the one that exclusively listens to Civilization music. It's all he listens to. Even when I talk to him on the side, just like, hey, man, what do you listen to? I just want to know. It's like, I just listen to Civ music. You don't understand. I'm like, okay, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what, he wants to know what Civilization was your favorite to compose for or the most memorable, whether it be the process, the research, the actual composition or the final piece. Oh, man. You know, I, I get this get this question or a similar question asked a lot mm-hmm. and uh it's just so hard to narrow it down to one i i wish that i could but i i really can't because each one it's like a journey that i go on and it's a journey of of learning it's a journey of uh, of of collaborating and meeting new musicians and there's just something special that ends up happening through so many of them that uh i just can't narrow it down <laughs> they're all your children <laughs> if you had to pick one if you had to you absolutely had to gun to your head pick one. Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> jeffrey's choice <laughs> oh goodness um i mean i i'm not gonna be able to narrow narrow it down there are some particularly memorable ones. Though. Okay, we, that's okay. We can we so, get over that answer. So, of of course, the Cree is just it's just a, a wild experience of recording the that group, working with them, then figuring out how to actually make that music work in that error structure that that we had determined. Right. Um, and just the whole story of of how we how we work together and and how how they took it all so seriously it's just just an unforgettable experience um didn't the, didn't that <laughs> win, didn't the atomic era win an award for best composition am i uh i think it was nominated for something with the game audio network guild okay. but it, it didn't end up winning yeah but uh so that that one's pretty special um I've always liked the Gamelon music as well, so I really like the way, uh, especially the the um, Indonesian uh, industrial piece turned out. I really like that one a lot. Um, I mean, shoot, I'm just gonna start rattling off all the pieces, you know, because <laughs> I just like them all. <laughs> like that's that's the journey, you know. You 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 go, you you just I try to put like 
you know, these magical mu musical moments in all of it. And, and as I think about all of the sieves, I, I'm just like, oh yeah, we did that. And then, like, even in Portugal, there's like some really cool stuff happening in the medieval era where the the, the Portuguese guitar is like hegiating up as the as the strings are going, descending down after the kind of the climax of that piece. And I'm just like, oh, that, that turned out really well. Mm -hmm. So that even that special, I mean, love. I love. There's the some guitar fun ones. I mean, so... O Canada, the, the grand hymn of O Canada at the end. <laughs> you know, I hear it that. It gets like, pretty oh, epic in awesome. the later ages. <laughs> I mean, they all have in India, like the 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 Bansuri playing is just phenomenal. I mean, it's just there's so many so many distinct different things. It's like it's hard for me to narrow it down. I I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Like it's, I feel like there's a lot of special stuff scattered throughout all of the pieces, and that's kind of how, how I approached them all. Is you know, every, every time I'm working on one piece, that that's the one, that's the new one that I want to be the best. You know, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's not like, you know, okay, this sieve is really special to me, and that's going to be the best one. I mean, every sieve I want to be special, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so then, so then let's go from like your very first one that you ever composed. I don't know which one it was. Let's just say Egypt. I, I don't actually know, but the first one you it composed. It may have been Egypt. Nailed it. Uh, I some, knew that some the, of the one, <laughs> It was, it was Egypt and Arabia were some of the first ones that I worked with some other performers. Okay. So let's say, uh, the process <laughs> you did with Egypt versus the processes you did, you did with Portugal. How has that changed and how have you learned to make music for civilization from the beginning to the very end? The, the whole process has become a lot more streamlined. So early on, we weren't sure exactly how the errors would be defined. We, we didn't know about the Renaissance strings in the medieval era. We didn't really know that in the ancient era, we needed to plan on at least six or seven additional kind of improvisations or melodies. Uh, we, we, we just, it, it was very difficult kind of figuring out how to define the errors. Now that we're four or five years into this, we know how the errors are defined. And so when I work with a performer, I kind of know the general idea of things that I need to get or possibilities of things that I, I need to make sure I record and plan on. So it's just, uh, it, everything is much more defined in terms of what I'm expecting to get out of a recording session, uh, the melodies that I need to re research and, re and record. Um, all of that, that process is just very, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say streamlined because it's still, there's always surprises whenever you try to work with non-Western instruments um, <laughs> or even just traditions that you're not familiar with. But knowing what I need to get eventually has been defined. And so that helps me go into a recording session um, with very specific goals, whereas that was not the case early on. It was just kind of more of a blank page of, well, I don't know what you're going to really play. I don't know what I actually need, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, where now it's very defined as to what what needs to happen in, in recording sessions uh, specifically. 
And then the other question we have from the community comes from Bostheus, the guy who made the uh, Civ yeah. 6 music tier list. Uh, he wants to know what your process is when it comes to researching and actually composing for civilizations that A, don't have known music to this day, like Scythian, or a ones with a con conglomerate of multiple cultures, Macedonia, Grand Colombia, etc. He kind of touched on that earlier, but um, when, when ones that don't have music, like Scythia, how do you approach that? So we're, with ones that don't have music, I still go searching to see if there's any kind of musical thread that I can follow. Any, any kind of, is there a people group that people think maybe came from them? And does that people group have any kind of music or instrument or something that follows them? Sometimes you'll get something out of that kind of following that thread. Sometimes nothing. Um, so in the case of Scythia, I think I just took it, uh, regionally okay. and, um, just looked at the, the musical traditions around that region where they would have been ruling, uh, looked at the different kind of instrumentation that would have been used. And also I'm keeping in mind what civs are, are more likely to be included in the future versus not. And so... I ended up choosing the Daduk, which is a defining instrument of Armenia, and I did not expect them to add Armenia. And so, but it, the Daduk is really specific to that that uh, that tradition in that country. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to have this instrument, which is really unique, and, um, you know, in the game, I should just include it with Scythia, and and that way we can have this this very unique sound included in the game because they don't we we didn't know what all the civs were going to be it's not like there's been a list of here's what all of the civs will be yeah. over the next six years <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> you know it's it's we just didn't know but i i i figured it was unlikely that that it would show up so that's in the case of scythia that's why i chose that specific direction mm -hmm. in terms of the sound that you'll hear and whatnot uh, I mean, there's other issues with the Gauls. I mean, that that's another case where there's no surviving music, but there's a lot of mention of their music, and especially of the Carnix, uh, that the instrument that was kind of defining to them. And so, some people say that the, the, the music of the Romans was actually influenced from the Gauls, there's mention of Gaulish songs or the music of the bards, uh, and that even there might have been a book that had some of their songs, but none are really surviving. Um, but that was a case where there was specific instrumentation mentioned that I wanted to make sure I included. But in terms of melodic material, it was it was a wash. So you just kind of I ended up composing my own own theme for that. So, you know, that's that's the basic idea of that. And then for countries where there's a lot of different traditions. Um, in the case of Grand Colombia, we just tried to include a little bit of each in the ancient era music. And then the one that was more defining around the leader is what ended up being the main theme after the ancient era. And that's, that's generally the way that I'll narrow it down, is the leader helps to kind of 
pinpoint a specific direction to take through the errors. Of course, if they change the leader and then now there's another leader or two leaders that you can play, then that gets thrown off a little bit. But, um, Curse your mechanics of adding best, multiple leaders. Do Why the best do that, that we can. <laughs> <laughs> and in the case of Macedonia, um, of course, musically speaking, that should have been basically the same music that you'd hear in ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, but... I was like, well, musically, ancient Greece is already represented in the game. So how can I bring some more diversity to this? And so I brought in some more modern, traditional Macedonian music, which, you know, some people said, oh, well, you know, why are you including this is not the right music for this leader um, or for the even this this nation group. But I was looking at it as kind of a musical whole of this is a definitely a unique sound and a, a unique tradition uh, from this general region, even though it's not really that leader, it adds a diversity to the game that wouldn't have been there otherwise, musically. So that, you know, there, there's that, it, there's all sorts of different things going on about why we choose different things and lyrical versus fast themes and um, trying to represent a diverse number of musical traditions to get more diversity into the game musically and uh, stuff like that. It's it's all, all it's pretty flexible how all of that's decided on. Um, there's not rigid rules to it. Cool. Um, just want to reach out to both Zoe and Nostagmus if you have any last questions. Actually, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me at the very beginning, and I kind of waited to ask just because it didn't like really flow was because you, you mentioned the timeline because I was always trying to figure out the timeline when you recorded to when things are eventually released. Um, and you mentioned, you know, for, for Portugal's music, it looks like it's been it was almost a year like, you know, it was on the order of like nine to ten months. Um, what kind of anticipation goes through your mind when it comes to a project's completed, but it hasn't been released yet and how it's going to be received by the fans um, um, when they finally get a taste of it? I mean, it's always exciting, of course, when you, you've been working on things for months and uh, it's it's music. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be enjoyed by the world. And so it's it's just always satisfying to I, I wouldn't you know, it's not really a, a, a nervous thing or anything like that. It's always excitement of uh Yes, finally people can listen to this now. <laughs> and I do have to say that if that timeline is true, then Firaxis has really good ways of making sure things don't leak very much. Because uh, Portugal is <laughs> a little bit of a surprise. Um, everyone wanted it, but um, everyone had other theories of what other civ they were going to add. So um, definitely interesting to see that timeline. That's how they should have had spoilers released. It's just, well, okay, we'll just release the music. You guys can guess. <laughs> That would be where you, cool. Where do you think this is? Hey, yeah, I gave you the idea, Jeff. Take that to the Civ Seven folks. Okay, and that, can be, that can be how they do it. Um, I, I, not so much a question, just I guess a final comment of how um, really awesome the music of Civ is, and how much uh, the, the music of a game really makes a game, especially in strategy games. Um, when you're playing a game for like hours on end. Uh, you you want to make sure that that the music in the background is not mind numbing, um, and Civilization's always done a good job of that. But like Civ Six, like like an exemplary job, and it's it's it is such a huge important part of the game. The the music. 
Um, and it really does make the game even more. We love it even more. So I guess just good job, you and your team. Um, and um, and yeah, I can I can say speak. I think for most of the community, like we have an intimate connection with the music from Civ Six. So uh, just just very well done, and thank you so much. That's awesome to hear. That's great. <laughs> Jeff, uh, thank you for, for uh, coming on our podcast and letting us interview you. Do you have any final words or any shout outs that you want to give? Uh, now's the time to go. Well, I mean, of course, a big part of the music is all of the performers that we work with. So um, be sure to see who's actually playing. And if there's a piece that really stands out to you, look, look who the performer is and and find some other stuff that they've worked on and check out their music too. Um, and of course, it's not just me. Um, for the all the Atomic Era pieces, it's composer Phil Boucher putting those together and did an awesome job on that. Um, Roland Rizzo, he didn't work any on the New Frontier Pass music, but he did work on a number of the themes in the previous expansions and vanilla uh, release. So, And he did a great job on, on his sieves. So... Um, you know, we're a team here. Um, and so just a massive, of course, the orchestra, all the performers, our conductor, Andy Brick. Um, I mean, it's a huge team that makes this music come together. And without all of these musicians coming together, you wouldn't have those those kind of same magical musical moments happening as you play and, and listen to all the, the different Sibs music. So, um, just a massive thanks to all of the musicians who've been able to make, make this happen. And it's it's been an honor to be kind of uh, leading it, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> and finally, where can people find you on uh, social media if they want to know more about you? Uh, I've got a Facebook page. Um, just search Jeff Nor Composer. And also a Twitter, um, which is just... Uh, I believe it's just Jeff Nor. Yeah, it's just that Jeff Nor. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, if 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 you're a musician and you're interested in kind of diving into uh, the the underpinnings of some of this music more, I do have the sheet music for sale for many of the the sieves. So you can you can get the sheet music and uh, and dive into analysis and looking through the score, follow along the score if that's something that's inter of interest. Uh, just there's a sheet music store on my website, jeffnor.com. And if you don't see what you're looking for there, you can always send a message and request it. A lot of the medieval era pieces are not are not there yet. Um, mostly it's industrial era pieces, but it's there. So any any uh, musicians out there who are kind of interested in following along in a score or doing some score study, um, that's a cool resource that's kind of unique to Civ too. Uh, not many games will have the scores available like that. And um, so I'm really thankful to, to uh, 2K and Take-Two that they, they allow me to do that because um, that's pretty special and unique that they've, they've given me that the, a, a license to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, well, Thank you, Jeff. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, well done. <laughs>